It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fin side. Good evening, Dolphins fans. Welcome to another episode here of On the Fin Side with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, as well as uh, finfanatic.com. And we're also the official provider here as well for the fan sided network for Miami Dolphins content. So be sure to join us there. And uh, we look forward to spending the next four weeks with you because four weeks from tonight, is going to be night one of the NFL draft. We can hardly wait. And we're going to kick this off here. Well, not kick it off, but continue this by having our dueling top 18 boards. And now 18 is not exactly a round number, but the Dolphins are picking sixth and 18th. So it guarantees that at least two players on our board, we're going to be happy with uh, taking at those spots. Some happier than others, but um So that's where we're at here at this point. Paul, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, you know, let's, let's go ahead and jump right into it here. Uh, Anything you want to, you want to start with before we, uh, we dive in? No, I mean, the fact that we, I think both excluded the quarterbacks from our top 18 big board is a big thing. Um, So you're going to see some folks in here slide up a little bit that may be, not the most apparent value at 18 in some ways, but taking quarterback out of the equation because, yeah, we talked about Trevor Lawrence and the fact that he's just not going to be there at six. Like, And I, I went back and forth with it on, on it anyway because of the fact that, yes, do I think Trevor Lawrence is probably a big upgrade over Tua? Absolutely. But, again, it's is he that much better at a position where you're basically blowing last year's number one pick out of the water as far as your roster goes. Yes. Okay. Well, you know what I'm saying, though. It just, it's- yeah, yeah. And, and that's the point is we don't want this, this top 18 board to have quarterbacks muddying the waters here, to be quite honest with you. Because Trevor Lawrence is going number one. That's that's. – I mean, I'll give you – I mean, it's it's a million to one odds at this point that he doesn't go number one. I mean, he will. And then after that, we're in agreement that we don't see a talent special enough to even start the conversation there. But we will have our our quarterback spe- uh, segment here this Saturday. But that's more for taking a look at the position in general and seeing maybe is is there somebody in the later rounds the Dolphins could consider as a developmental quarterback. So, Paul, let's go ahead and get started with our boards here. And I'm gonna I'm gonna kick it to you first. Let's start at the bottom. With the we're bottom. gonna we're, yeah, we're gonna work our way to the top unless uh, you have a preference for something else. No, I love having boogie time right right off the rip. I mean, oh, come on I, now. I figured it'd be higher for you, so you're gonna go with boogie at 18, huh? I went with boogie at 18, and and you know it's he actually just missed the list until right before the show, and then I just couldn't in good conscience not throw boogie on the list. Um, and, and I'll give you a sneak preview. Richie Grant didn't make my list for top 18, even though I'm tremendously high on him, and he had a pretty good pro day today. But, yeah, Boogie, I think he is basically the better heir apparent to Ogba down the road, but also is a guy that, you know, the way he sets the edge, the way he plays the read option, which is the future of the NFL, I have not seen anyone do before. He had a huge pro day this week, and... Miami has needs at edge anyhow. So he just ticks those boxes. It's what I lo- 
would he be tremendous value at 18? Not according to people's, you know, top 50 boards out there, but as far as the long-term value for the Dolphins, absolutely. He is going to make you forget that he was a late first-round projection and went at 18, and it's going to be a steal at that point. Yeah, he's somebody I'm high on, too. Didn't quite make my list. I, I don't have many edge guys. I've got two, in full disclosure, but I've got a... I do have an edge guy at 18 and that's somebody that's fallen way down my list. That's Gregory Russo from Miami. And, you know, I've always defended him a lot because, you know, I think people are typecasting him as something that he's not. Um, What bothered me a little bit in his game, the more tape I've watched on him is I don't think he can bend the edge very well. He doesn't win a lot out there. You know, he's, he's fast for his size, but he's not, freakishly fast you know it this he runs a four seven this past week uh here at the, at the miami pro day runs a 7.53 cone drill and that meant measures bendiness around the edge and when you run a seven five that's not good uh i think the further he moves inside the better pass rusher he is but when he actually gets to the nfl is he going to be somebody who wins on the inside too Maybe, maybe not. I think you'll have a lot of opportunities to succeed. And Brian Flores and Josh Bohr have done well with a player like him who uh, who has a lot of versatility. So he comes in at 18 for me. At number 17, somebody that uh, is not – it's not a neat spot either, but I, I, I love the talent level of this kid. Uh, Christian Barmore, the defensive tackle from Alabama. Now, I know the Dolphins are stockpiling defensive tackles here. And they they resigned well not resigned but they got John Jenkins back from the 2019 season, um, played for the Bears last year. They got him back in the fold. I think Barmore is going to be would be more of a defensive end in a three man alignment. And you're talking about somebody who had six four and a half, 310 pounds. He has he has almost 35 inch arms, which is freakish for a defensive tackle. And you want to watch the last few games of the year, specifically like against Notre Dame he was able to push the pocket from the inside, create a lot of pass rush. That's what this type of defense is looking for instead of kind of the around the edge type of guy. Paul, who'd you go with there at 17? At 17, I'm not going to beat a dead horse, but you said a lot of the reasons why he slid a little bit for me as well. In Gregory Russo, I I have more than one edge player on my list. Uh, My first two so far as we count down from 18 to 17 have been edge players, a little bit different style edge players. Uh, I, I do think Boogie's going to have the eventual long term. But again, it, it's Miami's got so many fat guys up front now that it's going to be harder to get one of the bigger guys out there than it is to get somebody that you may be able to put in a stand-up like, like Rousseau, even though he's a little bit slow. Got it. Back to you there with uh, 16. At 16... As much as I've preached the long-term patience with the offensive line, I do have a few offensive linemen on my list here. And I struggled with where to put this guy on my list. It's I had him a little higher for a little bit. I moved him down. I moved him back up, took him off, put him back on. Um, and that's Elijah Vera Tucker. Uh, he has a lot of scheme and position versatility along the offensive line. So he would allow you to go after a Creed Humphrey later on, possibly. Go after, um, you know, an offensive tackle maybe and and look to kick him to the inside. 
if you want to put him on the outside, move Hunt to the inside, wherever he fits best. I know he's got a little bit of a short arm issue. No secret to anybody that, that's been paying attention to him throughout the process. But he just gets the job done. And that's what I want to see in an offensive line. So, yeah, I, I would prefer to wait till a later round, but I couldn't in good conscience leave some of these offensive linemen off the list just based on how they play. Yeah, I'm the same way. I've got a couple as well. Um, Vera Tucker, yeah, when he he came in with the short arms and, and more of that, like I wouldn't see him playing left tackle. Uh, and then we're talking about an heir apparent to Eric Flowers. But he's a good player. He really is. And a, a value possibility, yeah, absolutely. And for, if not for the Dolphins and for somebody. At 16, I went with Jeremiah Awusu Koromora, linebacker from Notre Dame. And this is somebody that I've gone way back and forth forth on uh here over the last several weeks the more and more i've watched because he is undersized he, he came in at 6'1 221 he can fly i mean he didn't run his 40 but man he plays like he runs a 4-3 um he also plays small too so the big question with with Uso koromora who a lot of people have actually compared to jamal adams is can he play in the slot and hold up and if that's the case then um, I think that you you can actually change the way you play defense because you could have three linebackers on the field a lot in Baker, McKinney, and Iwusu Koromora. Uh, I think he'll either be high on the Dolphins board or he'll be off the board completely. If I had to guess, he'd probably be off the board completely. But I think they could make it work. I'm a big fan of this guy. Number 15, running back Javante Williams from North Carolina. Um Again, not a overly impressive uh, pro day there. Not many running backs who are who run a four six and are two hundred and twelve pounds become superstars. But you also can't ignore the broken tackles this past year at North Carolina, and he gets upfield quickly. He has a lot of burst. And a big thing too that's I think a little bit unsaid about his game and who he is 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 unlike some of the other running backs in the draft, where Tian and Najee Harris have. Javante Williams has only 416, so he comes in with fresher legs too. I think either way, the Dolphins have to come out of this draft with one of the top three running backs. Yeah, I think they do potentially, but I was just answering a question in chat about the running back position um, in relation to Najee. It's, um, for one, I, I like Javante the most out of all of them. Uh, I, I will say that right off Okay. The- it's I do like Najee, but I think it's gotten to that point of a little bit over media hyped um, with, with him. And yeah, I do think Najee goes before Javante, but I like Javante particularly for for the Dolphins' offense more. And this is not jumping into my list here with this, but I would not be shocked with Greer and Flores if they've fallen absolutely head over heels for maybe Javante, but also for possibly somebody outside of the top three. I won't has I won't, you know, j- jump all over who right now. I know we're going to talk about a lot of the guys in our running back segment, and I think we're probably going to take a deep cut on the running back segment this year because of the fact that as much as we want a top three running back, I'm not sold that Greer and Flores are going to be all over the top three running backs. I, I could very well see them looking at ways to spread the field 
which make guys like Miles Gaskin and some of the other running backs in this draft a hell of a lot better as you get down get down to it. Uh, so with that in mind, with stretching the field, I went ahead and I took a four three nine wide receiver here in Rashad Bateman. Uh, I know not everybody has him as a first-round talent, but he absolutely blew away his pro day. He can do so many of the things. I know we've talked a lot about him leading up, and I do think they need somebody, especially with Will Fuller under that one-year contract uh, as we go down the road here, and I think Bateman's one of the guys that they may consider here at 18. Got it. Back to you for 14. Oh, gee, uh, for 14? Well... Can't, you can't talk about Bateman and his speed without talking about Rondale Moore out of Purdue. Um, I, again, not a guy I'm going to beat a dead horse on because we've talked about him a lot um, as we've gone along here. And we need one, at least one receiving threat in this draft, period, if not two. Yeah, and I think you're starting to see kind of the first seven or eight guys separate among, among those wide receivers. I mean, Rashad Bateman... Yeah, ran a, a somewhere in the four three nine. You know, if you were to give him shave a few off because it was, you know, working out at, at Minnesota and say ran in the four fours, that's fine. But he was certainly fast enough. He can separate. He's got good hands. Didn't come in as big as as a lot of people thought. You know, I, I not six two two ten, more kind of six foot six one, hundred ninety pounds. Um, we'll we'll get to him a little bit more later, but very good route writer. I think he would really add something here to this uh, to this receiving unit here. So, yeah, if Paul's going uh, going on a run here with the wide receivers. At fourteen, for me, I- I'm taking my number one edge guy, and, and I've I've fought with myself on this, but I- I've just got to go ahead and jump in. With it. And that's Jalen Phillips from Miami, and. You know, talk about somebody who blew his workouts away, um, 6'5", 260, 455 speed. Um, in his last four games of Miami, had 11 tackles for loss and six and a half sacks. To me, this is talent-wise, just talent-wise, the best edge player in this draft. And to me, there's not even a close second. I've got a lot of problems with a lot of these players. But as everybody knows, this is somebody who went to UCLA in 2017 as the number one overall high school recruit in the nation. Two years later, he medically retired from football because of those concussion issues. He swears it's all behind him. He's dedicated, but that's the risk that you got to take with him. But with these, all these picks Miami has, um, if he got down to 18, maybe he wouldn't be the top player on my board. But he would be hard to overlook, given the need for the Dolphins at edge and given his talent level. Um, at 13, I went with another defensive player, and this is somebody really rising on boards, and that's Jamin Davis from Kentucky, who I've really spent the last two days digging deep on, watching games uh, uh, there in the SEC. Uh, he played against Florida and, and really jumped out at me, covering Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts had a huge game against Florida. Not a lot came against uh, uh, Jamin Davis, though. This is somebody who flies all over the field. And when you look at at the linebacker position, to me, the two most important traits are speed and length. And he has them both big time. 6'3", 234, ran a 4'4", 42-inch vertical leap, insane measurables. And he's only 20 years old, comes from a military family. I think this is a player that that we could look back on here in a couple of years and say, how the hell did this guy fall to pick 16 or 17 in the draft when he turned out to be one of the best players in the draft? 
there's a lot to work on. He, he doesn't exactly react right now as fast as you want, but he's also 20 years old. He's still learning those things, but you've got to look at the marked improvement with him from 2019 to 2020. So Jamin Davis comes out on my list here, Paul at 13. Yeah. At 13 for me, I went ahead with somebody you just mentioned and Jalen Phillips. It's the concussion issues do worry me, but I, he's past Gregory Rousseau for me as well. Um, I know Rousseau is supposed to be the top pass rusher and is out there on some of the boards, but it's everywhere other than medically. I feel like Jalen has the edge, especially for Miami scheme fit. Um, up ahead of that, I went with a linebacker as well, and that's Zaven Collins out of Tulsa. Eric, I couldn't answer you because I already had him on my list and I didn't want to say it. Um, I just, you know how I feel about the linebacking core. I think it's one piece away, especially after parting ways with Shaq Lawson and uh, parting ways with uh, Captain Disgruntled up there in New England again. Um, Van Noy. Yeah, Kyle Van Noy. Um and, and, and Zayvon Collins can definitely come in and fill a role, can be that guy to come in and just plug up in front of him. And he's got a lot more speed than people expect. So I want Zayvon Collins here. I know we're going to talk about him to death, especially since I know a lot of people want to hear more about him when we when we get to that. Um, well, I'm going to break a lot of hearts here then with Zayvon Collins because – I really, I mean, I, I, I like him as a prospect. I really do. I dropped him considerably on my Dolphins board when the Dolphins signed Bernardrick McKinney. Very simply because I wonder if there's room in this defense for Jerome Baker, Bernardrick McKinney, and Zaven Collins. I mean, if are, are you really going to have two linebackers who are 6'4", 260 on the field at the same time? I, I don't know. But if Zaven Collins, if they feel he, he can set a good edge – get creative with him. He can blitz. Well, maybe that does become a possibility for so, me. Go ahead. Yeah. Here, here, here's what I'd say to that though. It, it's with Zayvon Collins. I am not opposed to kicking Jerome Baker to the outside and giving him a little bit of time to grow out there. Um, so long as he's willing to do so in a contract year, I mean, you're, you're going to have to make that commitment to him uh, being a contract year to get him to switch that position. But end of the day, I think if anybody could find a usage for Bernardrick McKinney and Zayvon Collins in the same defense. The creative things we've seen from Flores and Boyer thus far, I have no doubt they can find the roles for both of those guys in this defense. They would have to use three linebackers a lot uh, to, to do that. And it's if they look at Collins and say, hey, we think this guy's going to be a superstar. McKinney's not going to be around for more than a couple of years. Baker gives you the flexibility to let him walk and get a comp pick for him and not spend 11 or 12 million on him, then that's a possibility. I hope they do bring Baker back long-term though. Um, going along here, where are we now? We're on pick. Uh, or, or for me, I'm at number 12 on my board and this is where Najee Harris comes off here. And, you know, the, the, as we've gone along more and more, I, I start to think that given that they signed Will Fuller to, to pair with Devonte Parker and um, Mike Kosicki. Now you've got those three guys at the top. We fully expect, or at least I, you know, I, I think we're in agreement on that, that the first pick is probably going to be a pass catcher. So there's your fourth guy. Now at pick 18, if you get Najee Harris, who, who a player I compare really to Edger and James here 20 years ago, 
is he who are you going to cover? Uh, who are you going to one on? Who who are you going to go one on one against here with these matchups? And I think that's the spot Tua needs to be in to be that car dealer to just quickly identify the one on one matchups. And Najee Harris is somebody that would require a ten both running the football as well as in the passing game. So he comes in at number 12 for me, number 11. And this, this may raise some eyebrows, but one of my favorite players in the draft, Tevin Jenkins from uh, Oklahoma state. And Tevin Jenkins is somebody that is a mean, nasty offensive tackle on the right side. I fell in love with his tape, especially watching him go up against the likes of Joseph Asai and just dominating him. Uh, He's somebody that very rarely gets knocked off balance. And it's really cliche to take a player like this and compare him to like Zach Martin or Marshall Yonda, but I see it. The functional strength, the nastiness, the, the balance, this guy doesn't get moved back. I think if you put him at right guard, you're going to get a five or a six time pro bowler. And I put him one step above Najee Harris because I would rather have a guard like that than somebody – I'd rather have a guard like that creating holes for a running back than the running back itself. So that's where he comes in, and they're at number 11 for me. Yeah, and, and before we piss anybody off further than I'm probably going to do once all said and done with my list, guys, make sure you click like. Make sure you guys subscribe. Um, we really, really, really appreciate all the support we've gotten from you guys lately. And if you get a chance, please go out and – you know, leave a review on our podcast wherever you happen to listen to that. And on top of that, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to recap mine. And if you want to recap yours as well, Cat, just to yeah. catch people up. Uh, at 18, I had Boogie Basham, the defensive end out of Wake Forest. 17, Gregory Rousseau, the edge out of Miami. Uh, at 16, Elijah Vera Tucker, offensive lineman, can play him a guard, can play him a tackle. He's got a lot of flexibility and he can start at any of those positions. Uh, after that, back-to-back wide receivers, Rashad Bateman at 15, Rondale Moore at, at 14. At 13, I had Jalen Phillips, the other edge from Miami. And at 12, I had Zaven Collins, the linebacker from Tulsa. Got it. So it, you're, on, you're on the board here with 11 and 10. So I went back-to-back at a few positions, but uh, actually, shoot, I can't, I can't do my back-to-back here. Damn it. Oh, I'm going to give it away a little bit. Um, I went with Aziz Ojolari, the linebacker edge out of Georgia. Uh, he had one heck of a pro day. He is well built. He threw up 225, 28 times, but he still ran a 4-6. And Miami needs an edge guy. They need an edge guy in this draft, uh, preferably one, somebody fairly early. I know all of our listeners know that my guy is Boogie Basham, uh, but in, in good conscience... I couldn't put him ahead of Aziz Ojolari. And, and really, while I think Boogie is the more complete end, Ojolari is a little bit better pass rusher and can drop into coverage a little bit better. So it depends on the flavor that, that the Dolphins want to go with here. Um, and then I went with an offensive tackle, Christian Derisaw out of Virginia Tech. Um, while I think Miami's biggest need on the offensive line is at the center position, I do think that they could possibly upgrade that left guard spot currently occupied by Eric Flowers, who I do like. And the way to do that might be getting that offensive tackle, like we've talked about, kick Robert Hunt back inside and have Hunt and Kinley at the guard spots 
and then you grab that center in late round two, early round three, or possibly even one of the guys that's going to be out there in round four and still an upgrade over Skura. Uh, and number 10, and, you know, this is the first time a wide receiver actually makes an appearance on my board, and it's not one of the top guys, but one of my favorite players in the draft, that's Elijah Moore, the the wide receiver from University of Mississippi, um, somebody who is unbelievably productive uh, in the SEC, 86 catches, 1,193 yards, and two drops on the season. Uh, he's only 5'9", 178 pounds, ran, ran in the mid-4.3s, separation for days. I mean, he's somebody that I think is a refined route runner, and if you get him in, in the same offense with the Will Fullers and the Mike Kosickis and the Devontae Parkers, who can beat one-on-one matchups themselves, again, makes things a whole heck of a lot easier. Um, so th- that's where I'm at as far as my as my list uh, uh, up to number 10. So just to recap for me here uh, as as well, at 18, I had Gregory Russo at defensive end. 17, uh, Christian or Christian Barmore, defensive tackle from Alabama. 16, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromora from Notre Dame. 15, Javante Williams from North Carolina. 14, uh, Jalen Phillips from Miami. 13, uh, Jamin Davis from Kentucky, the linebacker. 12, Najee Harris from Alabama. 11, Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State. 10, Elijah Moore from Mississippi. And now number nine is going to be Rashawn Slater from Northwestern. Probably the cleanest prospect in the entire draft. Somebody who came out of college or high school as a guard prospect, a three-star guard prospect. Um, In 2018, uh, his first year at Northwestern, uh, started a right tackle, then kicked the left tackle in 2019 uh, and did not allow a sack in college football. Uh, that can't be understated there. He, he's phenomenal uh, as far as, a, as as what he can do from a technical standpoint and in terms of versatility. So if you grab him at 18, I don't think he'll last there. I don't think he has a chance to last there. He's going to let go somewhere likely firmly between 6 and 18. But if something happened and he fell to 18 – uh, what a steal he would be there for the Dolphins. Yeah, no, uh, it's uh, – and, and here I am as part of my back-to-back picks at number nine with Rayshon Slater out of Northwestern. Um, it's – yeah, you, you, you've you've said plenty about him. Um, so I'll just skip ahead to my other pick that you've already talked about, which is Jeremiah Owusu-Kamora at eight. Um, I – Look, Miami needs an off-ball linebacker. He's a better fit for them than Zayvon Collins right now, and that that's why I've got him ahead of him. I know you've already said kind of plenty about him, and that's the weird thing about us having these dueling drafts. Sometimes each of us are going to beat somebody to a player. Yeah, that's uh, – hopefully, I, I don't think I'm going to steal the next guy from you because let's take a look here. At, let me, at let me ask you this. Hold on. Is, is it a corner, a running back, or a quarterback? They're both defensive backs. Then you are not going to steal him from me, and I know who it gotcha. is. I, I didn't think so, and and I'm sure this is where people, um, probably in our chat are gonna are gonna uh, have the most disagreement with me. Uh, they're gonna say it's not a need. Uh, I completely disagree with that. Uh, I I think in the NFL today you need seven or eight defensive backs, especially in this type of defense. The Dolphins cannot wait two more years. When Bobby McCain, Eric Rowe, Xavier Howard, and Byron Jones are approaching 30. This defense does not work without elite defensive backs. And they need to stockpile them 
like it's I mean, like like they're going out of style. Um, at number at number eight, I have Trayvon Morig, the safety from TCU. And somebody that I think if you took him, you can either play him at free safety and kick Bobby McCain to Nickelback, uh, or you can have him as a big safety in your three safety look. I also think, too, watching him, he has the hips to be able to even, even go outside and play cornerback. He also has the speed to do it. He ran a 4-5 flat, but he also tripped a little bit when he came out. I think he could have done better than that. I think it's a legit 4-4, 4-4-5 type of, of player you got here. Uh, 33 bench press reps, too. What, what safety does that? I mean, crazy stuff. Number seven is probably my single favorite player in the whole draft. Not number one overall on my Dolphins board, but um, this is South Carolina cornerback J.C. Horn. The younger, or excuse me, the son of, uh, of former Saints wide receiver uh, Joe Horn. In this defense, you want somebody with the confidence and the skill set to go one-on-one at the line of scrimmage for 70 snaps against the opposing receiver and win. J.C. Horn is somebody that projects as somebody that can do that. I see him also as somebody that if he, if he fell to 18, which again, I don't think he will. I think he'll go again between six and 18 firmly. Um, I would take him every day and I would use Byron Jones a little bit more on the inside than, than he has been, but either way, get him on your team, 20 years old, Six foot tall, 205 pounds, 41 inch vertical leap, uh, 43940, all the talent in the world. So, Paul, I'm glad I didn't steal your guys there, but yeah, I'm, I'm all about stockpiling these defensive backs. Yeah. And speaking of sub 4440s, I went with another edge player here at uh, number seven. And he's a guy that did not record a sack last season, but he has all the measurables that match up. And I really think a better scheme with a better team around him would help him out here. He blew away his pro day the other day, and that's Jason Owe out of Penn State. Um, I think he would be somebody that could step into that Shaq Lawson role and just cause some terror on uh, the, the side of the defense opposite Van Ginkle and opposite Agba. Uh, we will see, um, but it's I do think he could be a very big contributor. He's got the size. I mean, he's 6'5", 257, and he ran a 4'3", 6". Um, there is some way to work with that for a pass rusher in Flores's defense. And speaking of speed, Jalen Waddell, the guy that you took in Miami's mock draft the other night, if you haven't checked it out yet, check out our What We Think Greer Would Do mock draft from the Thank other you. night. Um, yep, had to bring that up. That's Brian Cat NFL at on Twitter. Uh, that, that's what I think they're going to do. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm going back and forth on that. Anyway, I, I cut you off there, Paul. No, you're good. It, it's I, I went ahead and took Jalen Waddle. Um, I think the guys that we need to talk about least here are the Bama wide receivers because I know folks have heard plenty about them at this point, but he, he's basically your Jakeem Grant replacement if you go with Waddle here. Um, yeah. He's going to return your punts and kicks. He's going to be that guy that gets open over the top, and he's got a familiarity with Tua that does matter for something, but at the end of the day, he's the lowest ranked of my lowest ranked of my pass catchers for Miami's offense. I'm with you there, and this is the first time we've actually have someone lined up in the same slot. I've got Jalen Waddle also at number six. 
um, just stupid speed. I mean, this is there are some players that are fast, and there's some players that glide across the football field. That is Jalen Waddle. But are you really going to trust yourself to draft somebody who caught 62 passes over the last two years? Um, he brings an incredible skill set. Reminds me a lot of Santana Moss with how he can track the ball for somebody small and, and actually make plays in traffic still. So, yeah, I've, I've got him there at six. Number five, the other Alabama receiver, Devontae Smith. He is, he is pretty far low or pretty, pretty far below my top four guys. Um, it took a lot for him to get here for me. I still have a problem with the weight. Um, you know, he said he's 170 pounds. I wish he would just get on a freaking scale already. Um, if he's 170, then he might be actually a little bit less than that. But he is best at the two. He is unreal at the two things that, that to me, lead to NFL success. And that is uh the bendiness in your routes, the ability to get it in and out of cuts easily with route running uh, and separation. Just he's able to do those two things. And two, he's used to having two or throw him the football. I mean, they, they have a lot of chemistry back there from, from Alabama. So I'm up to number five, Paul. Who is your fifth and your fourth? So my fifth is Mr. Devontae Smith, the Slim Reaper. Um, I do – Really like Devontae Smith. Um, he is probably going. Did, did he weigh in, Cat? I missed if he did or not. Um, I, I don't. I don't believe so. I, I'm pretty sure he's allergic to scales, and I. It's not really something I care about. The guy can play, but he's. Yeah, I, no spoiler here. Based on if anybody's paying attention, he's the third option for me as a receiving threat in this draft. Um, if I wouldn't be unhappy with him, but again, it's there. There are receiving threats in this draft that I like a lot more. Uh, but again, he's going to be successful at the NFL level, and he'd be a good fit for this team. Um, at number four, you will like me for this cat. I hated myself for doing it, but I couldn't mark him any lower. Uh, even though I don't think it's the biggest need, and I would not be happy with it in the top ten. Uh, and that's Penny Sewell. Uh, it's. He has too much value and talent to not include on this list. I I do think that I could find a way to make myself happy with it if the offensive line get dominant as a guy that loves front seven. Uh, But it it would be heartbreaking given the fact that I think there's a couple other options that are going to be there on the board for for Miami. Got it, got it. So now we've just got a few left. So I'm just going to say my number four here, and then we're going to start at the top with our top three. So I'm not going to steal any of your thunder, Paul, because I've been jumping ahead of you on so many of these players. Number four for me is, is, is Micah Parsons linebacker from Penn state. I'm going to table that and let Paul talk about him when it's, it's his chance to. So let's start with our top three guys and why. So, uh, you know, I, I bet by process of elimination, there's not a lot of mystery here, but let's start at the top. Who's your first, your second, and your third for the Miami Dolphins for the 2021 NFL Draft? My third for the Dolphins here um, is going to be, believe it or not, and I, I'm I'm going back and forth in my head between two and three, um, it, it's going to be Micah Parsons. Uh, I think... He is the biggest difference maker on defense in this draft. I think he would impact the game a little bit more 
for for Miami than my number two would, um, because one of the things that I am a huge fan and proponent of is yes, points do win games. How do you get points? You get points by having more opportunities. And I think Parsons is good for a significant upgrade in turnovers, a significant upgrade in defensive stops, and I think he helps flip field position, which is something that that Brian Flores loves. And I'm almost talking myself back into two, but I'm going to commit to him at three here for now. I'm sure that'll change between now and the draft. Uh, At number two, Jamar Chase from LSU. I don't expect him to be on the board, even though he should be when Miami picks at six. Um, If Joe Burrow gets his way, which the Bengals would be idiots to give him, considering they can't keep him upright, um, is truly... uh, There's no better jump ball receiver in the draft, but he kind of broke that mold a little bit, given the fact that he threw down, what was it, a 4-3-6 at his pro day, Cat Was that? It, it was somewhere between 4-3-6 and, and 4-3-8. It, it's, yeah. e- even if he didn't go below 4-4, because it's, you know, some of these timings might be a little bit off because they're at their, at, at their home place. Who knows who's timing these guys? But, yeah, he's, he's somewhere around there. He's faster than what we thought. Yeah. Time he, goes. He, fle- he flexed a lot of speed. Um, so... It's a tough one for me. It's Chase Waddle and, and Devontae Smith slide down drastically for me, even if they're still there, if Miami takes Kyle Pitts, only because you can only have so many pass catchers on the field at a time. Um, and I do think that, well, my number one, Kyle Pitts, is, is the guy that makes everybody on this offense better. Um, he's going to occupy linebackers and safeties and corners Uh, He's going to force defenses to play out of position and do things that they don't want to do, especially going up against a Kyle Pitts and a Mike Gesicki in the same offense. The fact that you can run the same personnel for goal line at times as you do for five wide with, with the way Miami is set up is going to be disturbing for opposing defensive coordinators. And... It's there is no bigger difference making non quarterback in this draft than Kyle Pitts, and that's something that we've been saying for a while now. I know I've been beating this drum, but it's you know, and CK, who we've talked about before, CK Parrot, he did the best thing I've seen with Kyle Pitts today, and he labeled him tight end slash wide receiver Kyle Pitts. And the yeah. reason I say that's the best thing ever is a few people out there seem to have trouble getting their head around the idea of taking a tight end when we have one. Um, and that our wide res- our tight end room was okay. Well, guess what? Mike Gesicki and Kyle Pitts can both line up at wide receiver. Um, they can both line up at tight end. And matter of fact, Kyle Pitts is a far better blocker than, than Mike Gesicki is. So you can do so many ridiculous things. And one of the points you brought up the other day, Kat, and I I wanted to revisit it is, you know, you had said that Miami needs to change their playbook if they bring in Kyle Pitts. And I do think that it would behoove them to add a few plays. But the fact that they can take Pitts and Gesicki and flex them out into the slot or out wide um, and do some of those things they can keep more of the plays than a lot of people think they could. They absolutely could. And they wouldn't have to revamp everything. And if they did, it would be in an exciting way. I, the reason I have pits at three here on my list is because oh. I see 
a little bit of overlap with what Gesicki uh, and Kyle Pitts do. Uh, it's and I think it's easy to say today. Oh, they'll make it work. Just get them on the field. But I really think we'll be sitting here in in you know in a year, <laughs> and and Mike Kosicki's going to free agency, and we're like, okay, well, with the third pick, did we really just upgrade the tight end position? I know we're not. That's Pitts is more than that. I get it. And when when you look at the measurables of, of Kyle Pitts, six six, two hundred forty five pounds, ran a four four four. Um, his, his measurables test out almost identically to a Calvin Johnson and to a Mike Evans at the wide receiver spot. And you look at the body type, the body control, the long arms, the hands, it, 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 it certainly measures up. Um, and the, the, the incredible thing with Pitts is he had a wingspan measured in at 83 and three eighths um, to put that in perspective. The top four offensive tackles last year, the, the 2020 draft, Mackay Becton, uh, Jedrick Wills, Andrew Thomas, and Tristan Wirfs uh, had a wingspan uh, uh, shorter than Kyle Pitts. And Kyle Pitts is going to be going up and catching passes from you there. So um, he comes in at number three for me, but a special, special talent. No doubt about it. I would be elated with him there at number six. Number two is going to be Jamar Chase for me as well. I thought you would have Chase at three, and I'd have him at two, and we'd go back and forth on that. Uh, I'm glad that Chase showed up at his pro day and just wowed everybody because it reminds me of what made him so special at 19 years old at LSU. And And two things that stand out to me the most are yards after catch. Actually, three things. Play strength yards after catch and the ability to track the ball vertically, which is such an underrated component of getting deep. And if you, if you have Gusecki and Parker as the contested catch guy, Fuller is the deep speed and chase as your all around guy. I think you have a more sustainable, long lasting wide receiver unit there for Tua number one. And it looks like I'm going to die on this Hill uh, until until the NFL draft, it's going to be Penny Sewell. And I'll go back and say it time and time again. I think it is most important that the Dolphins keep Tua upright and allow him to step into passes. And I think Penny Sewell can take the offensive line from a right now a C plus B minus unit to an A unit in a year. Um, his pro day is tomorrow. Uh, and if he needs to test out extremely well to show that he's the type of athlete that justifies a top three or a top five or a top 10 pick here in the NFL draft, but that's going to round out my list here, Paul. So I'm going to go back through mine and you can go back through yours too. So number one, Penny Sewell, number two, wide receiver, Jamar Chase, number three, Kyle Pitts, number four, Micah Parsons, number five, Devontae Smith, number six, Jalen Waddle, seven, cornerback, J.C. Horn, eight, safety, Trevon Morig, nine, wide receiver, Elijah Moore, 10, offensive tackle, slash guard, Rashawn Slater, 11, guard, Tevin Jenkins, 12, Najee Harris, running back, 13, Jamin Davis, running back, or linebacker, Kentucky, 14, Jalen Phillips from Miami, 15, uh, Javante Williams running back, North Carolina. 16, Awusu Cormor, Notre Dame. 17, uh, Christian Barmore, defensive tackle, Alabama. 18, Gregory Russo, D end, Miami. Yeah, and uh, I, I think somebody beat both of us here in the chat, and Patriot USA went 
pits at one, pits at two, and pits at three. Um, I, I love it. I, I, I love that 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 uh, breakdown there. But now for me, I went with Kyle Pitts at number one, the crazy versatile wide receiver slash tight end. Uh, Mike Jamar Chase, I went with at two. You can hear that my list changed periodically. Uh, Micah Parsons at three. Penne Sewell, I had at four followed by Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle. At seven, I had Jason Owe, the edge rusher out of Penn State. Uh, Jeremiah Owusu-Kamora, the linebacker from Notre Dame, followed by Rashawn Slater, the offensive tackle out of Northwestern. Uh, Christian Derisaw, the offensive tackle out of Virginia Tech at 10. At 11, I had Aziz Ojolari, followed by Zaven Collins at 12. Jalen Phillips at four, 13, uh, the edge rusher from Miami. Uh, Rondell Moore and Rashad Bateman at 14 and 15. <clears throat> Elijah Vera Tucker, <clears throat> who can kick into guard and out to tackle, at, came in at 16 for me. Gregory Rousseau at number 17. And followed by one of my favorites, the guy I've been telling you guys about since before last year's draft, Carlos Boogie Basham. Rounds it out at 18 for me. I did not. I stayed away from the defensive back position. Uh, I stayed away from the quarterback position, as we talked about before. I didn't take the running backs for all, a running back for all the reasons I outlined. Even though I do like Najee and would not be upset with him here. I don't have Trayvon Morig on my list. Um, Kadarius Tony just missed my missed my list. Who's a guy I do like. I have no defensive tackles, especially after today's signing. And Richie Grant's a guy that would be a target for me in round two. And that's going to do it for our dueling Miami Dolphins top 18 list here. As we are four weeks away from the NFL draft, we're going to be full-fledged positional breakdowns for the Dolphins here over the next four weeks. Be sure to join us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, all of our social media outlets, also finfanatic.com and the fan-sided network as well. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.